Welcome inside to the JSK Media Sports Podcast. Got a big show ahead of us. But before we get into anything else, if you haven't already, go listen to our interview with Olympic gold medal swimmer, Lenny Kraselberg. We got the opportunity to interview him over the weekend, and we had a great time. What a what a good man. What a good athlete. I mean, how fun was that, Sean? And uh, I mean, what were your takeaways? He, he gave us a lot of good crannies. I mean, it was amazing to talk to him and learn about the workings and what he thinks about as an Olympic athlete. And he's had so much knowledge and expertise to share about the mindset of playing sports. And I loved how he talked about never truly being nervous because nervous energy only comes from the feeling of not being prepared. And and he knew throughout his entire time in the Olympics and as a professional swimmer that he was always prepared. He'd put in the work. He'd he'd been practicing. He knows what his times are. He knows what he's going to do when he gets out there. He knows a product he's going to produce. So he's just never nervous. He goes in and he's ready for it. And I, I love that. I'm hoping to take that away and put it into my life. Yeah, I mean, just the sheer confidence that Kraselberg has, it, it just sort of radiated, I felt, even through the screen when we were talking to him. And we asked, was there ever a moment where your confidence dwindled? And he said no, and it wasn't a joke. So just hearing that is just so cool. And to be able to talk to him, and again, that, that preparation, Sean, you mentioned it there. I don't need to say it. He's pretty much talked about it for those... 45 minutes he gave us a ton of time so if you haven't already go listen to it go to our page go listen to it share it if you enjoy it share his story he has a great story but definitely definitely go check that out I can't I can't recommend it enough selfishly because it was our interview but really just outside of us just a really good guy a great story and a great competitor so go listen to that but let's keep on rolling we got a jam-packed show so let's get right into things Let's start with baseball, and there's a lot of different storylines we got to get into. It's been a jam-packed week. Feels like there's a lot of things that teams did and players did, but a, a, a lot of other weird kind of almost baseball political stuff is happening. So we'll get into that there, but let's start with the Rays. So we were talking about last week, were they going to get to 14-0? Were they going to push the envelope, set the record? But unfortunately, they did not. They did not. So the Rays did lose their first game since we left off, including a series loss, but they did quickly turn it around for your series lock, Sean, against the Cincinnati Reds. So no history, but they did leave off tied with those two other teams we mentioned last week for the best record at 13-0. Any any comments on this race team? I mean, they're still 16-3, and but they weren't able to, to really push it there. I mean, what I really love about this team is how it's it doesn't have the star. It's not about the big names. It's not about these huge signings. It's a bunch of guys that are just really good and love the game baseball come together and play it well. And it's it's a fun team to watch, and I really hope they succeed this year and keep keep this role going. All right, now, something that came out over the weekend, MLB is testing some new rules down in the Atlantic League. And aside from just these two rules that we'll talk about, it feels like now they're just making rules to make rules. Like, it was like they were like, okay, these rules are doing so well. People are finally watching baseball. The ratings are doing better this year. So they're like, what other new rules? So they, they came up with this new one, designated pinch runner. So they're testing in the Atlantic lead. One player not in the starting lineup will be listed as a designated pinch runner and can be substituted into the game as a base runner at any point without a true substitute being made. So in essence, you could just throw in a guy to pinch run. And I think anyone not named D Gordon or Billy Hamilton thinks is a really stupid idea. Yeah, absolutely. This feels over the top and unnecessary. 
The, the only reason I could see us really being used is before the DH rule. Not if you're still going to make your pitcher hit, maybe not making him run, but it, it feels unnecessary. They're doing too much, trying too hard to get more ratings. You put in the rules, they work, they're great. Stop there. We're going too far. I mean, speaking of the DH, this next rule, this next stupid rule that they're trying to create, I mean, it's still only in the Atlantic League, but again, we've seen how fast these rules could go from an independent league into the minors and then so quickly into the majors, so it is worth getting a little worked up about. So it's called the double hook rule, where team loses its DH if the starting pitcher fails to go five innings. This is idiotic. This is stupid. They added the DH. Don't try to get finicky with it. Especially, It just makes it makes no sense, Sean. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, when I read this rule, it sounds like something we'd come up with playing for fun in the backyard, trying to make a joke. It is completely stupid. It's gamey. It it's childish. It like a lot of the new rules have worked out, but it's still the major leagues. It's still professional baseball. We can't add in a bunch of stupid rules just for fun. Sean, I I have to pick on something you said. I don't joke around in wiffle ball in the backyard, Sean. I would not <laughs> impede these. These stupid rules, you know, I'm very conscious about. I mean, I don't even make the rules, Sean. I just enforce them, as I as Don't I tell you often. Them. But all right, let's get into some players. Some players have signed some deals, done some cool things. Let's start with Hunter Green. Hunter Green and the Reds have agreed on a six-year, fifty-three million dollar deal. He throws 101 miles an hour, but he's a 4.24 ERA in this young season. He hasn't had the most success in the majors besides being able to throw 101 miles an hour. Last year, when he was pitching against the Dodgers, he pitched well. Then the third time around, he got crushed. I mean, I like this for him. I love young guys getting deals, but I guess they're just trying to lock him up, but there's not lock up to much besides the fact that he throws velocity. Yeah, absolutely. It To me, this feels like something we've always said, Bruce Sarger, on the Dodgers, where he has an amazing arm. He's amazing stuff. He's consistently throwing over 100 miles per hour, hitting triple digits. And that's, unse- I mean, that's very rare. That's really impressive. Not to put that down in any way, but he feels like a thrower, not a pitcher. Every single player in the MLB can hit a 101 pitch without movement if they know it's coming. You need to have more to your game than just throwing fast. You need to have that deceitfulness. You need to have the movement. You need to have the off-speed, the change-up, whatever it is, to actually confuse the batter. That's what's going to succeed in the MLB. It's not just, I can throw 101 miles per hour in my 100th pitch of the game. That's not what matters when it gets into the MLB when you're facing these talented of hitters. Again, it's only $8.8 million a year. So it's not like something crazy, but good for him. Get some insurance, get some money to support himself and maybe a future family the big news, they love the notifications, the big headlines. You see uh, Judge Rob Otani out in New York in center field. Yeah, I mean, that's just fun. The little MVP on MVP crime. And your, your MVP winner getting the losing end of it. <laughs> Brutal. I've, you, know, you know, I obviously got, I, I wasn't watching this game live, but, you know, I got the notification and then later I looked up the video. I mean, he robbed it, but it's a little dramatic, you know. The wall's not that tall in New York. I, did he see the video? <laughs> yeah, he like bobbled it before he caught it, hit it back, yeah, caught it with bare hands. I don't know. I mean, was it going out? Was it really going out? I don't know. <laughs> they needed the headline, you know. Always. <laughs> Maybe I'm just a judge hater. Yeah, you, just love, just, o- you hater. just love Otani way too much. <laughs> You're too biased. Yeah. Yeah, I just think 
I mean, it's it's it, it's exactly that. And I don't know. I, I I hate the Yankees, and I think Judge is overrated. But uh, speaking of those Yankees, see who's back on the injured list. It, it's been five minutes, so that means a big Yankee, and it's been two minutes, which means this Yankee. You see who's back on the IL? Yeah, I saw it Stan. They signed him to a 10-year, $325 million season after he came over from the Miami Marlins. This has got to end up being one of the worst signings, I mean, ever. That's $32.5 million a year for a guy that's not only on pace to set the most strikeouts of all time and really just hits home runs. Forget playing-wise, he hardly plays. At least when he's striking out, He's actually playing. I mean, this has got to be a horrible deal to keep paying almost $33 million annual average salary to a guy that's never playing. I mean, this is awful. At least Pujols for his contracts and all these other guys for this contracts played through it. Better to play like crap than to not play at all. Absolutely. I mean, I can't even think of for an extended amount of time that he's been healthy, that he's been on the field playing for the Yankees. He's constantly hurt. And when he's not hurt, he's not even playing good. It's a horrible contract. It's a horrible deal. And he's just not a great player. He never really deserved that money. And they, they it's something that was really predicted when he was coming over. He had some great season with the Marlins, but he'd still never been able to stay consistently healthy. And it's a big problem for the Yankees with, with a lot of their stars, with Judge too. And that's it, it's a big problem for them. I don't, that's why I don't think that they're going to go to the, the World Series and they're going to go that far in the playoffs. It feels like any big... Any big player has had those times where they've just been on a tear and all the and everyone's talking about their tear. Maybe maybe I've bad memory, but I I don't remember ever him going on a tear or this I I mean maybe some home run streaks, but it's because he just has never played long enough. So Stanton's left hammy, he has a left hamstring strain, so he'll be out for at least 6 weeks. My judgment says it'll be longer. That man is never healthy, but I wish him a, a good recovery because, again, I always want the best competitors on the field. Over the weekend, Sean, something happened in our Dodgers game. Max Scherzer was suspended 10 games and thrown out for using foreign substances. He said post game that he swore on not only his life, but the life of his children, that it was just rosin and sweat. He was eventually sworn out. Now, I believe him. Everyone uses sticky stuff. Everyone did. Everyone is still finding ways. I think the umpires is just kind of the scheme to make it look like MLB's cracking down. Maybe they are. His spin rate, by the way, in this game was the same as all his other games this year. So there wasn't really a lot of funny business, but he, this is what MLB included in their statement. When Mr. Scherzer was inspected prior to pitching in the third innings, the umpires found that his pitching hand was clean, but found a sticky substance in the pocket of his glove, and Mr. Scherzer was told to replace his gloves. The umpires inspected Mr. Scherzer for a final time when he was walking to the mound to pitch in the fourth, and found that Mr. Scherzer's throwing hand was even more glossy and sticky than it was during the second inning inspection, so that glossiness could have come from the alcohol that he mentioned he used to wipe it off, but at the very least, there was stuff in his glove, and he decided to revoke his appeal for those 10 games. Now, here's the weird thing. 
There have been three pitchers ejected for using foreign substances, and they've all been ejected by the same umpire and Phil Cuzzy, always with the antics. Now, my question to you is, what's that all about? And is there a way to objectively do this? Can they get science to kind of maybe, I mean, I don't know. I'm no scientist, but may, you know, there's like a pH scale that you put in like water or something. Like, is there a way to kind of get their hands on a lab than taking a guy like Phil Cuzzy, who either has an out for certain pitchers or woke up on the wrong side of the bed or really doesn't like foreign substances, where he has the ability to not only eject people, but suspend them 10 games. That's two starts. And in the scheme of a season, that's a lot because, I don't know, he felt something sticky because he wanted to feel something sticky. Yeah, absolutely. And from what I also heard from the Scherzer interview was that the other problem that he concluded to was that he had sunscreen on his arm. And when that sweat came running down his arm, not only did it take the sweat and the rosin, but also the sunscreen creating some substance on his hand. And when you just hear the story before learning about Phil Cuzzy, it, it sounds more believable. But then when you hear that in the full two years of these sticky substances checks, there have been three pitches ejected by the same person and no one else, there has to be something going on. There's no way he just decided, oh, he is the umpire. I'm going to use sticky stuff just today. Whatever was on his hand today has been on his hand for every game of the entire season, and I'm sure every game of last season. But yet, when he came to the same guy, he's the guy that's ejecting him. Because of that, I really don't think it's believable. I really think it's something with Bill Cousy, something that he, he cares more, he feels something else, he has a higher expectation for sticky stuff. I I really don't think he actually had any foreign substance other than uh, what he said. I think it was just some combination of sunscreen and sweat and rosin that made it up. I I think it's something to do with Phil Cuzzy. Absolutely. And they were inspecting him hard and he said it. I would have been an idiot to come out and put sticky stuff. And he didn't. And again, you are allowed to use obviously sweat and you're allowed to use rosin and you're allowed to use sunscreen. Not to mention this was a day game. So, you know, it's one thing when you see guys in the bullpen putting on sunscreen at 10 p.m., but it's when it's actually a day game, you could use that that sunscreen. But that was weird. Let's talk about another veteran pitcher in Clayton Kershaw. How about King Kirsch in that game? Oh, his last start, 22nd all-time strikeout list. His last K in that game, seven shadowed innings, sealed the deal to place him. Number 22, 22nd on the list. Then also sealed the deal on his two hundredth career win so the guy we talk about next is going to tie into this but how about that Kershaw in his 16th season well into his 30s pitching it's not vintage Kirsch it's not vintage Kirsch because he never went away he never went away but how about that Sean it's amazing and the fact that he can be so consistently good as a starting pitcher for that long in the MLB, it's amazing. It's such a hard position. He's coming every five days, being asked to throw upwards of 100 pitches a night for 16 years, for 162 games a year. That's really hard. That takes a lot out of your body, a lot out of your arm and your elbow. And, and he's kept up that standard. I mean, listen, obviously he's not that same MVP level he was, but he is still a high-level 
starting pitcher. He is a star starting pitcher. He's an all-star level starting pitcher in the MLB, and it's so impressive. And it's something that I feel like us Dodger fans have started taking for granted. He came in, he had one bad start. Five starts after that, he's given up two runs at the most. And we're still complaining about that one game. He's been so amazing for us for so many years, so consistently, not going anywhere else, staying with us, staying loyal. And it's it's really amazing. He's one of the greatest pitchers in Dodgers history, if not one of the greatest players in Dodger history. So we talked about, you kind of touched on it, He's pitched a lot, right? 16 years, but those 16 years are with postseasons. He's made it to the postseason 10 straight seasons and pitched in all those Octobers. So there's almost a month tacked on. So there's almost a couple more years, which would, if you want to do the math, is maybe 17th, 18th even season. So just amazing that he continues to be so good. Another guy who pitched on a lot of postseasons and is a veteran, but is not on the same side of the coin in which we're talking about Kershaw, Madison Baumgartner, designated for assignment by the Arizona Diamondbacks. They still owe him well over $30 million, but DFA'd him. Who knows if we'll see him pitch again? It's one of those things that he's a veteran. He's had so many amazing moments, especially in October. Such a good playoff pitcher that was so clutch for so many years in those Giants playoff World Series runs. But as a Dodger fan, I just hate him. I just hate him so much with so much passion. And I never am rooting for a guy to be out of the league. But it does it does give me a little bit of a smile to see him out. He torturized us for so many years. He was such an amazing pitcher on the Giants. It It's sad to see him go, but also biasly, it's a little happy. I'm a little happy about it. I love angry pitchers, but there's two different types of angry pitchers. There's the Max Scherzers where they're just intense and they're almost they're almost mad at themselves. And then there's the Bumgarners where he's just picking fights for no reason. So Bumgarner has had some of the greatest postseason of, of all time. You could argue that his 2014 run with the San Francisco Giants is some of the best pitching performances of all time, at least contended in the postseason. A wonderful career if it's over, but at the very least, a hothead out of the game. So it just show, it just makes guys like Kershaw look even better. And when you when you pin up Kershaw against Scherzer still has velocity. Verlander, he'll be pitching in a couple of weeks. He still has velocity. It's amazing that he's throwing 90. Again, we touched on it last week. We touched on it this week with Hunter Green. We've touched on it at Nauseam. But there's pitching and there's throwing and Clayton Kershaw. The only word to describe him, well, there's a lot. I, I'd go with goat and amazing, and there's a lot of adjectives. But at the end of the day, he's a pitcher, and he knows how to get out of jams, and he knows how to pitch. All right, something something fun, at least for me, seems like baseball fans are all on the same side of it, unless you live in Oakland. But I happen to live right near Oakland, but I, I, I'm not an A's fan by any means. I've never met many, a lot of A's fans, and I live here near Oakland, but Sources report that the Oakland Athletics purchased land near the Strip. So there's been rumors for years that the A's would move out of Oakland. The city of Oakland wanted them to stay. Rumors they would go to Vegas. And now it looks like there's some steam on that engine. Of course, the Golden Knights are a a new team out in Vegas, and they've been playing really well. And of course, the Las Vegas Raiders moved there a few years back, and 
have been decently successful, at least at Allegiant Stadium. It looks like they've been filling up the stands. What What are your thoughts on the A's possibly moving to Vegas? And if they do want to build a stadium firm from the ground up, it looks like the A's will be a lame duck here in Oakland like the Raiders were for those three years they had to remain here in Oakland. I mean, I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing for the game of baseball. I think it's amazing for the A's. And I think it's amazing that no one else has to play in the Oakland Coliseum. First of all, that that field is terrible. That stadium is terrible. Everything about it sucks. I've been to it once, and I never want to go through it again. Not only is it old and gross, but there's no one there. These have no fans in Oakland. No one shows up to the games. I've seen more people at high school baseball games than that consistently go to A's games. So them moving to Vegas will hopefully... Get more fans. Get people to actually show up to games. Them building a new, I'm sure, very nice stadium on the Strip in Las Vegas will entice people to come to games. They'll get fans back up. They'll get some more money. And hopefully they can turn into a decent contending team in the MLB again by just by this change. And if they get creative, I mean, these new baseball stadiums are so famous for just having really cool eating, sitting areas. But, you know, Sin City's famous for having areas where they could gobble up money. So... They want to build the stadium for the ground up. I think there'll be some really cool places and maybe a sports book in the stadium. They're going to get creative. Vegas does not mess around. They're going to get creative. That'd be cool. I don't have uh, you know any objection. The Oakland Raiders were contested with the 49ers. And now these Oakland A's are contested with the San Francisco Giants. And obviously... The A's have some deeply rooted history. We're really good in the in the 70s, but obviously it's been money ball and now it's broke ball and, you know, everybody caught up on the math. So they've just sort of been a joke and a good run in the, in the middle of these 2010s making the playoffs, but never got out of the first round. So I think that'd be a good, good way to revitalize that team. But before we get away from baseball... Gotta talk about our locks. Both our locks won last week, so we are now both three and zero. Oh. Who is your series lock for the upcoming week, Sean? I'm gonna take the Milwaukee Brewers. They've come out really hot this year. We're playing really good baseball. It's a team that we didn't really expect to come out this well, but they have a star-studded pitching staff. They have a great bullpen, especially led by Devin Williams, playing a Tigers team that is looking better than they've looked in past years, but it's still a Detroit Tigers. They have not been a good quality baseball team in years, so I'm going to take the Milwaukee Brewers this week. It's a good pick, Sean. I like that. I, I got to go with the race. I got to go with the team you chose last week. They are hosting the White Sox this weekend. McClanahan, Shane McClanahan, that is, will be pitching that middle game, so I like it. White Sox aren't great. Obviously, it's hard to predict baseball and hard to predict a whole series, but Rays are my best bet. Draymond Green suspended a game for stomping on Sabonis. This seems soft. Sabonis was grabbing the leg. It was amidst action. And Sabonis's post-game interview, did you get a chance to listen to that? I did not. I mean, he's just saying... It's part of the game, and he has no bad blood because it's the playoffs, and you're going to fight. So a lot of respect to Sabonis being a good sport about it, but this 
I, I mean, a, a one-game suspension isn't crazy, but in a seven-game series, especially when a team and the Warriors are down 2-0, this just seems a little intense. And, and obviously, I haven't been around long enough to say, oh, when I watched the NBA, it wasn't this soft. But, you know, it's getting increasingly... Uh, the refs need to chill out a bit. Absolutely. I mean, the way I saw it, it was simply a retaliation towards the actions of bonus. The Warriors guard defensive rebound started running out in a fast break, and Draymond got his leg pulled. And he's a guy that is known as a fighter. He's known to put his life on the line. He's known to give everything he has to the game. He plays hard. He plays fast. And and that's what he does. And I think what this also is, is there's some referee bias against Draymond Green. He's known as that loud guy that's going to get in the ref's face. He had, I think, 16 technicals during the season this year, which actually caused a suspension during the season. And and if it was any other players, I don't think the refs would have been so quick to tee him up and toss him out of the game when they saw that happen. But they saw Draymond Green, they saw a little fight, and they straight give him a tee and then suspend him. It, it's it's a seven-game playoff series where the Warriors are already down 2 nothing. Now you're going to suspend their best defensive player and one of the keystones of this entire roster for a game. It's a huge impact, right? A one-game suspension seems like nothing, but they lose this game because Draymond's gone. They're down 3-0. You could practically call the series. It's over. This is a huge game. It's a huge suspension, and I do not think it was a good call. I completely agree. It needs to be looked at. And why this is playoffs, and they, and they do get ratings for playoffs. I want to, I want to ask you, Sean, what does the NBA need to do for, obviously now we're in the playoffs, but for regular season games to be relevant? And I say have less teams make the playoffs. But again, every playoff game means money. So do you think the payoff that they make from having almost two months of playoffs comes, which making their 80-plus game season uh, sometimes irrelevant? Yeah, absolutely. I, I do think that they should cut back on the amount of playoff teams. I mean, they already added more. They made that into a 10 team where the last four seeds could do the play-in tournament. And they're just making, they want to make more teams relevant. They want to make more fans excited to watch a team in the playoffs. But it leads to a lot of teams being able to have load management. And you see the Clippers commonly do it with Kawhi and Paul George would just say, well, I'm not going to play back-to-back because I don't want to get hurt. We're not going to be the one seed. We're already going to clinch a playoff spot. We're going to be the four. We're going to be the five seed. We're going to come in. The seeding doesn't matter. And we'll be healthy for the playoffs. That's all they care about. And it's sad to see because when I go to a basketball game, I don't want to see a bunch of bench players playing. When I go to a Lakers game, I want to see LeBron and Anthony Davis on the floor. I want to see Paul George and Kawhi on the floor. I don't want to see them sitting on the bench because they didn't feel like playing that night. You want everyone to show up. And I think that's why the NFL is so successful. Because it's only a 17-game season where every single game matters, no one sits out. You have to have a serious injury to sit out an NFL game. And that's why people love it so much. Every single game is so intense. Every single player cares so much every single Sunday. And that's why any team wins. Any team can win any given Sunday. That's a saying they always say in the NFL, and it's what makes it so exciting. And the NBA, because there's 82-game season and then a 10-team playoff on each side, so a 20-team total playoff, 
they, the games aren't entertaining. The regular season is not fun to watch. I think they need to change something. If that's reduce the playoff teams, reduce the number of regular season games, they have to do something. I mean, Kobe always said his main reason, you know, that people would ask him, why are you playing so much? So you want to rest? And he'd say, I remember when I was a kid and I had to scrape together money to go to a game. And he's thinking about those kids now, or he was thinking about those kids who are scraping together money. Their parents are scraping together money to go see a game. And, you know, they 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 want to see the stars. So when you scrape together your money to see the Lakers play, you you want to see you want to see LeBron and, and everyone else play. But what are your other thoughts on this NBA playoff so far, Sean? Listen, they, they've been fun. They've been entertaining. But the one thing I want to get into is this Lakers Grizzlies series. So obviously we've seen it's a 1-1 series, John Morant injury. But what really interests me is the entire Dylan Brooks-LeBron situation and them them naming him the next LeBron irritator. We've gone through many. Draymond Green, as we just talked about, being a very common one. But he is constantly guarding LeBron every possession, trash-talking, clapping in his face and everything. And then after the game, after after their win on Wednesday, he came out and said that he doesn't care about what LeBron has to say because he is too old for him. This just seems like he's poking the bear. This is LeBron James. This isn't some some random NBA player that you're talking trash to. This is easily the greatest player in our generation, if not what I believe the greatest player in NBA history. So I what I just can't wait for is to come out Saturday night, Crypto.com Arena, LeBron James after all this trash talk and him just to be LeBron James. Be that postseason LeBron James we've seen for 18 years and shut up Dylan Brooks. It's it's gonna be really exciting to see. But other than that, I mean, this playoff has just been full of superstar injuries, which is really sad to see in the NBA. And it, I mean, it's what we talk about load management, but you've seen guys like Giannis, John Morant, Tyler Hero going down with major injuries that are sidelining them for games, and it's. It, it makes it hard to watch. It makes it sad to see that all these players are having to sit out. So hopefully we can get back to healthy, get these superstars back in the game, and finish off with a competitive postseason. I want to go back to what you were talking about. The difference between good athletes and great athletes is that when you upset the good ones, they press and they crumble. But when you upset the LeBrons, the Bradys, the Currys, the greats, they play up. So you, you again... You don't poke the bear. Jalen Hurts and the Eagles reach an agreement on a five-year, $255 million extension. He's your boy, Sean. You have loved him. You root for him. He now becomes the highest paid annual salary player in the NFL. Sean, I'm no mathematician. But if I did my math correctly, that's fifty-one million dollars a year for those five years. Fifty-one million dollars a year. It it really seems crazy right now, and I mean that number is absolutely huge. But give it a couple more years, and that's going to be easily passed. We have you huge really think names so? at the quarterback position. We have huge names at the quarterback position in the NFL. Guys like Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Josh. These are guys who are going to crush that. You really this, think so? These are great. No, and listen, these are great. These are great. These are huge AAV? numbers. 
Joe Burrow is going to sign a bigger contract than this. Think about it. Jalen like Hurts more is a AAB, phenomenal quarterback. More annual average salary? Yes. Yes. I, I really think so. I Especially Joe Burrow with the Bengals. They're going to give him every penny they have to keep him wow. there. And, and think about it. I mean, Jalen Hurts is a phenomenal quarterback. But last year, he was seen as a below-average quarterback that couldn't throw a football. He had a, he had a great year. He had an MVP caliber year. Joe Burrow's been doing this for multiple years. After tearing his ACL, he's going to sign a huge contract. Justin Herbert's going to sign a huge contract. And that I think that they're going to pass this Justin, Justin Hurts deal in a couple of years. All right, before we end and go into our game, I want to ask, I have two questions for you, okay? One... What is your go-to stadium food? So not necessarily your favorite, but your mindless. Go to the you go to a stadium. I don't care where it is. You could use you could be anecdotal, and share what your go-to is. And then I want to hear the best you've had, and then I'll go. Okay. So okay. The first I'll ask you, what's your go-to? I'll do my go-to, and then and then we'll go to the best we've had. So first, what's your go-to? Whenever someone asks me a stadium food question, I think of one thing and one thing only. I'm sitting at Dodger Stadium. I have a Dodger dog, nachos, a Coke, or a Sprite. I go back and forth. And then and then later in the game, I go get some swirl chocolate and vanilla soft serve. <laughs> it's like $100 at Dodger Stadium. Sean, <laughs> you want to you share the, the nacho story? Oh, this is a good one. We went to the game, and these nachos are huge. They're in the big Dodgers helmet and i i'm like i'm not gonna finish up by myself it's 18 dollars, completely unnecessary so i get myself a pretzel and this the, the woman working at the cat at the cashier goes you want a pretzel right and i go yeah i want a pretzel she goes to get it she checks at me one more time she goes it's a pretzel right i say yes it's a pretzel she makes me nachos and just hands them to me and i'm, I'm turning around i'm looking at jonah and i'm like what is happening i had now told her Three times that I ordered a pretzel and I paid for a pretzel. Everything was already paid for. She handed me nachos, turned around and walked away, and I got free nachos out of a Dodger game. I remember you you looked at me after and you were like, "Should I give it back?" I'm like, "You said pretzel three times, so take it. That was good." So I gotta go Dodger Doc too. I'm not a you know not a nacho guy. I don't want to spend half the game in the bathroom. So I, I'm gonna go with my you know my plain hot dog, but. All right, now go favorite. What's the best thing you've had? I know you've been to Yankee Stadium. I mean, even any football, you know, stadiums. This is a tough one. This is a tough one. The, so if I were to go Dodger Stadium, probably my best baseball food would have to be if you go in center field at Dodger Stadium, you get the nachos with the carne or the fries with the carne asada, which are very good. But I think my best overall stadium food would actually be at USC at the Coliseum where they bring in like outside vendors, not simply stadium food, but they have these teriyaki chicken bowls that I that I sometimes get when going to USC and they're phenomenal. So I, I would consider that my best stadium food, but when really considering it like classic stadium food, it'd have to be a Dodger fry, cheese fries. 
Right, I'm going to go. When I used to go to Clipper games at Staples Center, I could call it Staples Center. I'm that old, Sean. I remember <laughs> when it used to be called Staples Center. But, but you know, before my lactose intolerancy really put pedal to the metal, they would have these. Uh, it was a grilled cheese, but, in, you know, on toasted bread. But instead of cheese, it was mac and cheese. And that was uh, so good. And I'd sit there and I'd watch <laughs> the Clippers lose. But at least, I mean, I didn't really care. But at least I was eating, <laughs> you know. All right. Well, okay. What's your favorite food to bring to the game? Yeah, you know, we talked about these prices. What's your, what do you bring into the game? A good old Italian turkey sandwich. Some, get some nice hard roll turkey, cheese, lettuce, tomato, onions, mustard. Perfect. I'll, I'll go with the, I'll go with the sandwich. But you know, I like it very plain. It's easy to bring it into the very game. Plain. You know, you want, you want hand food. All easy right. What's your eat. favorite? Yeah, easy to eat. What's your favorite snack? Sunflower seeds. No doubt. Sunflower seeds. Easily. I like peanuts. I like peanuts. You know, you didn't really go to a baseball game if if your shorts or your pants aren't covered in peanuts leaving the game. Oh, like yeah. The, like the flour. I don't even know what that is. Like yeah. the starchiness There's from so the peanut. There's so much of it, though. There's yeah. so much. It gets everywhere. Yeah. That, it, no, exactly. But that's kind of part of it. No, but yeah. it's always good when you, when you leave the game and you look at your pile of sunflower seeds. It's like there's it's pride it, in it. that. Yeah, it's prideful. If you get that huge pile up. Oh, yeah. It feels good. You feel impressed with yourself. Your work. Absolutely. I, I always feel like that pile will be bigger if they're losing. Like, I either need to be <laughs> watching my team win or be eating. You know, yeah, like, I'm either fair. best in the game or they're winning. You know, we're chatting. We're having a good time. And then it's their losing. You're like, did you remember the seeds? You know, and you get them out of the <laughs> clear bag. <laughs> exactly. Right. Exactly how it feels. Oh, yeah. All right. So let's end it with a game before we wrap it up. All right, Sean, I'm going to name teams a player played for, and I want to see in football, and I want to see if you could tell me what team. Oh, God. Or what player it is, rather. Okay. 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 This player started on the Chargers when they were in San Diego and ended their lustful career with New Orleans. Do I get some years in this? No, but you could ask yes or no questions. Oh, God. Hey, I don't make the rules. Were they an offense? I'll make it really easy to start off. They were a quarterback. Is it Drew Brees? Yeah. But he didn't play for... Oh, I guess he did. But he barely was with the Chargers. All right, let's see if you could get this one. Still counts. Went from Philly. Or this might be... I think it's back order. I don't know the order, but they played for Philly, the St. Louis Rams, Kansas City... Jacksonville and Chicago, another quarterback. Nick he won Foles. a Super Bowl with one of the. Yep, you got it. Before I could even give you the clue, Nick Foles. Nick Foles. Okay, Pittsburgh, Denver, San Francisco, and New Orleans. So the Steelers, the Broncos, the Niners, and the Saints. Is he a quarterback? No, no he's but not he is an offensive player. Is an offensive skill position? Wide receiver, yeah. running back. Yeah. Pittsburgh, New Orleans. Wait, Pittsburgh, Denver, San Francisco, New Orleans? Yeah. What? You want me to just tell you? Yeah, tell me. Emmanuel Sanders. Oh, I so knew that. That's a good one. All right, let's see if you can get this one. Tampa Bay, Washington, hey. Philadelphia. Uh, same offensive, skill position? Yeah. 
offensive skill position. Tampa Bay, Washington, Philadelphia. Is he an active player? He is. No, it's not. This is terrible. He I should know this. He went from the Eagles to Washington to Tampa Bay, then to the Eagles, then actually to the, the Rams and Raiders, and then the Ravens this last year. Oh, Nelson Aguilar. No. No. Let me tell you? Yeah, tell me. Deshaun Jackson. Sure. Is he still active? I thought he retired. Maybe not. He played in 2022. Maybe he retired. Yeah. All right, let's retired. do one more. Let's okay. do one more. A quarterback who played for Miami, Tampa Bay, the New York Jets, Houston, Tennessee, Buffalo, Cincinnati, and the Rams, and they were still in St. Louis. Oh, my God. He played for every team in the NFL. Is it Ryan Fitzpatrick? It is. Yeah. That is a good way to end it. <laughs> I didn't even, even need to listen to team names. I heard that many team names in a quarterback, and, and I you knew just it was Ryan Fitzpatrick. Patrick. I like that. Your turn for the game next week, so, so right. be ready. I'll, I'll get a good one for you. I hope so. I hope so. I, this one was fun, right? This is a good one. It's tough. Yeah, it's really tough. It's tough because, again, there could obviously be doubles. Yeah, but of course. You've been listening to the JSK Media Sports Podcast. For this week's MLB Power Rankings, we didn't say them here, but go to our Instagram or our Twitter or even our TikTok at JSK Media Sports for those power rankings, also podcast highlights. We've been posting some great clips of Lenny Kraselberg from his interview. So go check out our Instagram and Twitter for highlights. And, you know, we, we make graphics, so kind of summarize things from the podcast. So go check it out, JSK Media Sports. And consider sharing our podcast with a friend or family or even someone you don't like, but you know they like sports to build up our JSK family. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you next time.